we are working our way through the Sermon on the Mount as we hear Jesus introduce us to the way. There's a, a different way of thinking. There's a different way of living. He, he says to his congregation that day, I, I know this is what you're used to, but things are about to change. He, he said that specifically. In six different times, he said, you have heard it said this, but I say to you this. He, he introduces a, a new way of thinking. And this, this, this morning, I want us to look at the, the fifth time that he used that formula. Last week, we looked at the, the first four times. You've heard it said this, but I say that. We saw four of them last week. I want us just to look at one this week. Look with me in Matthew chapter 5. I want us to look at verse 38. Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to begin at verse 38 as we consider the thoughtful way. And as we think about the thoughtful way, I mean that word thoughtful in, in more than one way. You know, thoughtful means you were nice. We both got to the door at the same time, and I paused and held it open for you. That was thoughtful. It's just a nice thing. But thoughtful also means that my actions are based on a thought that I decided to do something. This morning, I want us to, to recognize the difference between an emotional reaction and a thoughtful response. You and I live most of our lives reacting to everything around us. And most of that is based on emotion, especially when you're on I-35. <laughs> but what we wanna do is allow Jesus to show us part of this new way is to start living a life that is driven by thoughtful response instead of emotional reaction. Let me show you some of that this morning. A major theme in the Sermon on the Mount is that we move one step beyond what has been expected of us. We move beyond just an emotional reaction to a deeper experience, a thoughtful response. The Sermon on the Mount pushes us to go farther in so many ways. It, it, it pushes that we move beyond legalism into love. In the Sermon on the Mount, we're pushed to go beyond rules to attitudes. We're pushed to go beyond external expectations to internal intentions. Jesus moves us here beyond emotional reaction to thoughtful response. Look at verse 38. You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If anyone would sue you, take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles, Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. 
that paragraph is all based and founded on the beginning of the paragraph. An eye, you've heard an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, don't resist the one who is evil. His real, that is his primary point, that we want to move beyond what we've always been taught. He's going to show us four examples of what that looks like in real life. But before we get to those four examples, let's make sure we understand what he's saying at the beginning. You've heard it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You and I have heard that as well, haven't we? We've heard that our whole lives. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. The problem is you and I have most likely heard that verse used incorrectly. It sounds to me like that's saying, if you hurt me, I get to hurt you back. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You take an eye, you lose an eye. So there. In actuality, when you look back into the history of this law, which, by the way, predates Moses' law, you'll find eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth at least twice in the Old Testament law. But the understanding, the concept goes all the way back. It's in Hammurabi's code. It goes all the way back a long way. And when it was established, the idea was not retribution. It was limiting your response. In other words, it wasn't saying if somebody takes your eye, you get to take theirs. It was saying if somebody takes your eye, you don't get to beat them to a pulp and blind them. If, if somebody knocks out your tooth, you don't get to beat all their teeth out of them. It limited justice. We don't use it that way very often. We use it for retribution, get backs. Jesus says, you've heard eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. That's the standard. That's, that's the basic standard. But I say to you, I want to drive you to an, an, a thoughtful response instead of an emotional reaction, emotionally getting back at someone. I want to drive you to something deeper. And so I say to you, don't resist the one who is evil. Now that's hard for us. So let's unpack it carefully because I want to make sure you realize he is not saying you have to put up with abuse. He is not saying you have to sit there and take it when someone starts pummeling you. That's ridiculous. And it's not even biblical. There's biblical support for self-defense and defense of others. But what he is saying is stop and think about your response instead of just emotionally reacting right away. To help us understand it, he gives us four examples that might happen in everyday life. Let's look at the first one as we think about how he calls us to resist revenge. He's helping us to learn to, that, that we, don't, we don't worry about this eye for an eye, get back, 
emotional thing. Instead, we're going to have thoughtful response and resist the one who is evil. And the first example, he says, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Again, understand he's not talking about abuse. He's not saying if someone hits you, you stand there and have them hit you back. What he's actually talking about is an insult. Let me show you why. Cody, I know you're easily embarrassed. Would you come up here, though? Would, would you mind? I, 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 I know you're shy, but... <laughs> Are you right-handed? Depends. Let's say you're right-handed. <laughs> Let's say you're right-handed, okay? okay? This is my right cheek. Mm -hmm. Slow motion, slap me on my right cheek. Exactly. You see how he'd have to slap me? Most right-handed, most people are right-handed. There's a significant point to the fact that he says if someone slaps you on your right cheek, you see, he can't slap me open-faced with his right hand on my right cheek. He has to do it backhanded. Do you see how he did that? Thank you. You were so good. That was awesome. Here's the significance. Jesus is not talking about physical abuse. He's talking about an insult. A backhanded slap is an insult. We even use that word today. We talk about a, a backhanded comment. Someone, someone is, it's an insult. Here it was often seen by people in power, maybe the Roman soldiers and, uh, against someone who wasn't, and they were, they, it, was a, it was a backward slap to, to say, you're little, you're nothing. It also called someone into an emotional reaction, hoping to start a fight sometimes. It's the insult that Jesus is referring to. And he says, so how are you going to respond? Well, we know how we respond. We insult right back, right? You remember Winston Churchill? Winston, well, I remember him from the history books, but Winston, <laughs> Winston Churchill was, in, in, in his heyday, he was, he was quite able to uh, get into any kind of witty argument. He could stand his own for sure. One time as he was coming out of a long night of discussions and debates, there was a member of the parliament whose name was Bessie Brodick who saw him coming out very late night. And we learned later that he was actually just very, very tired. However, he was kind of stumbling, wobbling, and he looked bad and so this member of the parliament Bessie says Winston you are drunk and what's more you're disgustingly drunk to which Churchill replied Bessie my dear you are ugly what's more you are disgustingly ugly but tomorrow I shall be sober That's one of those that takes a second. You can kind of feel the wave go through the room. Is, oh, I got it. On another occasion, Lady Astor said to Winston Churchill, if you were my husband, I'd put poison in your coffee. 
To which he replied, if you were my wife, I'd drink it. <laughs> and that's how, we, that's how we usually interact with each other. You get me, I'm going to get you back. And Jesus says, what if we show love in another way? Instead of feeling like we've got to get even and, 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 and have our get backs, what, what if we resist revenge and we give a thoughtful response proverbs 15 and 1 says a soft answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger in another way paul paul addresses this in romans chapter 12 it's too long to fit on a slide so let me read it to you romans 12 beginning in verse 17 He says, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome evil. I'm sorry, let me me rephrase. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Jesus says, let's take things a step further. You've heard it said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, but I'm encouraging you to take that extra step. And instead of reacting emotionally, respond thoughtfully, resist revenge. Most of the people I know live life on one of three levels. There are some who return evil for good. I've met them. No matter how much good you do, No matter how nice you are, no matter how much sacrifice you make, no matter how hard you work, they're always going to respond with grumpy, nasty, evil ugliness. Some people, some people respond or return evil for good. We call that the hellish level. Then there is the human level. And that's where we hope most people will, uh, that's where we expect, I should say, most people hang out. And that is, these people return good for good. As long as you're good to me, I'll be good to you. We can get along, we can be good neighbors, we can hang out. If you're good to me, I'm good to you. That's the human level. Yet Jesus calls us to that third level, what we might call the heavenly level. And these are the people who return good for evil. One level returns evil for good. Another level returns good for good. And then there is that level to which Jesus calls us that we return good for evil. Even if you want to be ugly to me, I'm not going to let you drag me down to your level. I'm going to choose to aim for Christ-likeness 
So you're going to be ugly to me. I'm going to be nice to you back. I'm going to find a way to respond in good, even if you're coming at me with evil. We resist revenge. We turn the other cheek. The second example he gives to us, we find in verse 40. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. The tunic was... um, the tunic was kind of like the, the, the inside robe, uh, the inside garment. And then the cloak was the outer garment. Men would wear this, this long inner uh, robe looking thing. And then they had a, like an outer garment, kind of a jacket thing. And the idea was um, if someone sued you, you didn't have money, they could take your, 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 your tunic, your inside garment. But it was not okay for them to sue you for the outer garment because for many people that outer garment was not just something they wore when they were out in public, but it was also their blanket at night. For many people it was, it was the best way that they could, uh, they could take care of themselves and stay warm when it was cold. And so the law and the, and the practice was, if, if you're going to sue somebody and they don't have any money, you can take the shirt off their back, but you got to leave them the jacket at least. So Jesus says, if you're wrong, if, if you made a mistake and so you owe somebody your, your shirt, they sue you, you lose, you're supposed to pay them the shirt off your back, go a little extra. Give them the coat as well. Just to say, look, if you need this so bad that you're willing to sue me for it, here, you need it worse than I do. Go that little extra to show Christ-like kind of love. You have to say, well, that's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy because of the way we think. But Jesus teaches us to set aside selfishness. Resist revenge. Turn the other cheek. Set aside selfishness. If you owe somebody one thing, give them two. Set aside selfishness. You say, that's just crazy. Remember the change that happened in Zacchaeus' life? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Climbed up in the Yeah, you know it. The bottom line is he was a tax collector, and he cheated people until he met Jesus. And after he had dinner with Jesus, and Jesus changed his life, Zacchaeus said something very interesting, recorded for us in Luke chapter 19 at verse 8. Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, The half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. He didn't just pay back what he had to pay back. He even gave more. He he set aside selfishness. 
And we've got to move quickly to the next two. But before we do, let me just throw this out there for you. Some of the most unhappy people I know, some are in church and some aren't, but some of the most unhappy people I know are always thinking about self. Did they talk to me? Do I like this? Am I, am I being satisfied? Am I being served? Is, and they're unhappy all the time because you'll never be served or satisfied enough when all you think about is self. But you know some of the happiest people I know in church and out? Some of the happiest people I know are some of the least selfish, the selfless people. The happiest people are those who have found joy by making sure that others have what they need and want. It's an amazing thing about how life works. Set aside selfishness. Number three, exemplify excellence. Look what he said. This is another everyday example of how we can um, uh, live out uh, the, the, uh, the original concept of, of responding thoughtfully. Third example is to exemplify excellence. Look, he said in uh, 41, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. It's a practice that only made sense to a Jewish congregation as he was speaking that day because the practice was that they were under Roman rule and a Roman soldier who was carrying his pack and his stuff and all the, you know, whatever he had to carry to do his job. If he saw a Jewish person there, he could say to that Jewish person, you take my load and carry it for me. But over time, they had begun to kind of abuse the Jews a little too much. And so they came up with their own rule within the Roman uh, military that we're only going to allow you to force someone to carry your stuff for one mile. You, you can't ask them to do any more than that, but you can, you can make somebody carry your stuff for a mile if you want to. And so Jesus says, when one of those guys comes by and forces you to carry his stuff for him a mile, Surprise him. Take an extra step. Go a little farther than the standard. Live a little higher than expected. And exemplify excellence. Picture two Jewish boys, if you will. One of them required to carry the pack of a Roman soldier. Picks it up, grumbling looks down at the ground the entire time, never says a word. He walks every one of those 4,860 feet. A Roman mile is different than ours. And before he went to that 4,861st foot, he drops the pack, looks at the soldier, rolls his eyes, and walks away. He did what was expected. But then think of another Jewish boy. Here, this young man picks up the pack, looks at the soldier in the eye, and he begins to walk. He says, where are you from? Do you like what you do? How long have you been doing this? What's next for you? How's your day? And they walk that mile, and he just keeps talking and keeps walking. 
And the soldier says, hey, you, you don't have to. The boy says, that's all right, I'm good. I'm enjoying our conversation. Tell me about your day, what's next? You take one more step. You go a little higher than expected. You go a little beyond what's required. Let me ask you a couple of questions. When you're at work, do you sit at your desk or in your cubicle waiting for the boss to tell you the next thing to do? Or do you look for work that needs to be done and you just do it? You take that second step, you go that second mile. Are you one of those that watches the clock and you walk out the building and 30 seconds after five o'clock you're in your car? Or do you stay until the project is finished and everything's ready for the next day? Students, is passing and just getting out of the class good enough? Or are you doing the best you can? Jesus calls us to exemplify excellence. Say there's something different about Jesus' people. They go a little farther than everybody else. They work a little harder than everybody else. They put more into it. They care more about who they are and what they do. There, there's something special about these Jesus people. Anybody remember pay phones? That was before everybody had their own phone in their pocket. Right? And if you weren't at home with your landline, which was the only kind of phone there was, then you're out on the highway somewhere. The only way you can make a call is you got to find one of those landlines. And so they would have these pay phones periodically around. And you'd put your quarter or two or three quarters in, and then you'd be able to talk for a certain length of time. When your money ran out, you either had to put more money in or the call was dropped. Back in the day of pay phones, a salesman called his wife from one of those coin-operated phones, finished their conversation, and said goodbye. He replaced the receiver. As he walked away, that phone rang, which didn't usually happen on a pay phone. He went back and answered it, expecting to be informed that he owed some extra money or something. But the operator on the other end said, I, I just thought you'd like to know that just after you hung up, your wife said, I love you. You know the operator didn't have to do that. Her job was done. But she found a second mile. One more step to exemplify excellence. You see, the first mile, you're under someone else's control. The second mile, you're under self-control. The first mile, you have to. The second mile, you choose to. The first mile is expectation. The second mile is excellence. The first mile, you do what you're told. The second mile, you do what you want. The first mile is out of legalism. The second mile is out of love. The first mile is motivated by external forces. The second mile is motivated by internal forces. The first mile is the okay mile. The second mile is the smile mile. You want to be a success? Be a second miler. You want to be a good friend or a good neighbor? Be a second miler. You want to be salt and light? Be a second miler. You want to live like Jesus? Be a second miler. 
I'm done with this last one. He gives us one more example. One more everyday example of what it might be like to respond thoughtfully instead of reacting emotionally. He tells us to give generously. We see that in the next verse. He says in verse 42, Give to the one who begs from you. Do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. If someone needs something you have, you have every right to say, this is mine. That's this level, the normal level. I earned it, I bought it, I built it, I made it, it's mine. You have every right to do that. But Jesus pushes us a little farther. He pushes us to, to, be, to a thoughtful response to say, this is mine, but I can see that maybe you need it. So I'm glad to give it to you. You don't have to. Nobody can force you. It's that extra. It's that second step, that second mile. We give generously. The kingdom citizen knows that whatever we have belongs to the king anyway. And if he calls us to give, we can give generously. Paying your bills is the expectation. Giving to those in need is a step above, a step beyond, a step further, becoming more like Jesus. Psalm 112 and verse 5, it is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. In other words, you can't outgive God. When you give, it'll be well with you. God will take care. And we can give generously. Jesus did not practice what he preached. Jesus preached what he practiced. And when he calls you and me to do that little extra, to give more of self, to respond thoughtfully instead of reacting emotionally. He calls us not to live at the level of normal human expectations, but to rise above that. When he calls us to do that, it's because that's what he does. Jesus deserved to stay on the throne in glory. But he took that extra step. He went that extra mile and he came down to humanity. He took off his royal robes and put on human skin. He went the extra for us. The only one who never broke a rule. Died on the cross of Calvary to pay for all of us who did. He went the extra mile.